0: I'm Nyla Boodoo. Today in our Tech Shift Week in Review, Washington tries to strike a balance between privacy and security. Reddit wants its users to stop harassing each other and move over Raspberry Pi. Now there's Chip, the $9 computer. A few headlines we're talking about with our Tech Shift Week in Review. Our panelists today are Jaina Cook. She's the CEO of EventUp. And Jen Myers, who's the founder of Code and Cupcake Chicago. And her day job is with Plural Sight. Welcome back to the Afternoon Shift, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Let's start with this news from Washington. The House of Representatives voting to end bulk NSA collection of phone data. Now this is going to put a lot of pressure on the Senate. This is a kind of a confusing issue, Jaina. I wonder what your thoughts are on all of this.
1: Yeah, I mean, like kind of said, it it is a pretty confusing issue. Um, I think there's a lot of you know different parts of the bill that still need to be worked out. You know, one thing that I thought was interesting was that. It would be taking the information out of kind of the government's hands and really relying on the telecommunications companies, which already gather that information, that data, but really the onus would now be on them. Um, So I'm not sure entirely how I feel about that. Could be a good thing, could be a bad thing.
2: I think that the main thing is, is that we won't have a lot of data about how effective these things are. So it's really hard for ordinary people to make a judgment on what's good or what's bad about that. We just don't have the
0: data. Right, which is an interesting thing, and we'll kind of keep an eye on it uh, as it continues to develop. We saw, uh, keeping an eye on things, by the way, uh, Reddit announced yesterday a new site-wide effort to prevent online harassment. And the reason was, according to six months of research and 15,000 users who were surveyed, they said the main reason Redditors don't recommend the site, even though they use it themselves, is because they want to avoid exposing friends to hate and offensive content. Jen, it's a really, I think this is a really tough issue with online harassment on specific sites.
2: Definitely. This is a story that jumped out to me because... I don't really use Reddit that much, and this is one of those reasons why. And it's not—is this... it
0: specifically because you think it might be kind of a hostile community sometimes? Yes,
2: yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, I've had and I haven't had you know specifically bad experiences just there, but in similar communities. And so I definitely understand that. But so it's it's a great thing that Reddit is stepping up and saying no, we're going to change this. Um, hopefully, it's going to actually work.
0: I wanted to ask you, Gina, where you think the balance is, right? Because when they looked at they did a lot of research on this, and half of the Reddit users said harassment was a problem, but then 30% of users said that Reddit over-censors the site as it is. So that's a very hard thing. I don't know how you juggle that.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's really hard. I think that, you know, I think they're taking a great first step in kind of saying we're going to start looking at sen- censoring the information and potentially taking users off if they violate you know some code or rule. And I think that's important. I mean I think that everybody in you know the entire US tries to create something that um, everybody can equally take part in and if it's becoming something of a larger issue where people are being, getting so offended by the information, I think there should start to be some sort of censorship.
0: Jen, do you think that there's harassment at Reddit is different than on other sites? Do you think that this is basically the same story everywhere? I
2: think it's the same story everywhere. I wish I could give you a different answer, but I think it's the same story everywhere, unfortunately. I think more awareness is happening, though, and realizing if we want uh, to create spaces for everyone, we just have to work at it.
1: Yeah. You know, kind of when I first read the story, it kind of reminded me of Craigslist. You know, it's an age old story of like, how much do we censor? How much do we not censor? Um, When people are freely able to put their information on there. I think you're just going to run into these issues.
0: Another fascinating story this week, Jen, that you brought up was the notion of a $9 computer called Chip. And people who may be familiar, I wonder if you can explain what Chip does and how that compares to, say, like a Raspberry Pi like in terms of programming and how this can help people learn to code and program.
2: Right. I think most people are maybe at least heard of Raspberry Pi, where it's a uh, single board computer. So it looks just like a circuit board. And um, it, it's a very cheap computer that you can actually hook up to a monitor and other resources and kind kind of make do everything that your, you know, PC would do, essentially. Um, so chip is just a really cheap version of that. And I think it's, I think it's great in, to be moving towards making this more accessible and affordable. I think at the same time, we need to think about the learning curve for this, because you really have to know what you're doing um, more so with these, these smaller computers. Um, so along with cheaper equipment, we also need to make sure we're making the education accessible to make it work so everybody can use them.
0: And your not-day job is with Code and Cupcake Chicago, Mm -hmm. which is an organization that helps women and their daughters particularly learn to code together. Do you think that... When you see the technology like this, do you think we've caught up to having a culture where enough people can use the technology that's being created?
2: I think we're getting there. Um, I think that there still is a little bit of a a barrier. You know, I see lots of women in the workshops who are just uh, feeling like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing with this. They're a little apprehensive about it. But we're getting to a point where once you break through that barrier, they realize that they can actually do this. So it's definitely on the right track.
0: And what I thought was also interesting about this, and this is a good segue to a story you wanted to talk about, Jana, was this chip Kickstarter uh, was funded 14 times over, 14 times as much as the initial $50,000 investment. And that brought up a point that you wanted to make about Kickstarter.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love Kickstarter. I think that it, it's something that you can kind of quantify what the market out there wants to know and learn about. And I think that story kind of identifies that people are interested in technology. They want to know more about it. How can we make it cheaper, faster, better? And how can more people understand it?
0: And with Kickstarter, though, what you've sort of seen is that, and I was looking at a list of the most successful Kickstarter campaigns of last year. Do you think it's easier for products to get funded on Kickstarter rather than companies?
1: I do. I think products are kind of... um, a better fit for Kickstarter only because the application of it is so clear. So I think last year I read that the number one Kickstarter was a cooler that you take to the mm-hmm. beach. And I think it was like $10 million or something crazy that it got funded. Um, but that, I think, is a real case study to say this is what the market wants. This is what the market's interested in. And this is something that they can easily see how they can use it. Where I think when you think about technology or different products, if sometimes if they're too large scale, people don't understand how to dive in or how it is applicable to them.
0: And Jen, I wonder if you think about that when we just sort of think about the general public and funding. It probably makes a lot more sense, right, that people are much more willing to fund something where it's something that they can see at the end as opposed to a company or an idea.
2: I agree completely. I think that it's just a much more concrete goal and. Benefit—they know what they're going to get out of it. So with technology, that makes it difficult, though, because a lot of it is innovative, and we're coming up with new ideas. So um, it's a little bit of a push and pull, where you want to put new ideas out there and get support, but you got—you have to frame it in a way where it's understandable to people.
0: Well, and I wonder how you do that. For example, like with Coding Cupcake Chicago, is that something where you feel like when you're looking for funding, do you have to kind of—you have to sell people on what it is rather than the idea of it?
2: I think so, and I think that I try to be really concrete about what you'll get out of it and the opportunities you can go and make your own website. And that's a really concrete thing that people get excited about. And that leads into other things, too. So as long as you can think about what it benefits going to be to people, which I think is what technology should be all about, then you'll get people involved in it.
0: Another thing we were going to talk about, Jana, in addition to your product story, was just about wearables. And that's mm-hmm. kind of been what we've all been hearing about this year with the Apple Watch. And there was a really interesting story on ReadWrite. We'll tweet the link out if you follow WBEZ Afternoon. But it was about women in the wearables market and how women, tech uh, needs women, particularly in wearables, to think about design. And I was just interested in the story because I wondered... I mean, I guess maybe it seems obvious, right, that we need more women in technology in part because we're designing products. But I also wondered if people maybe might be, I don't know if people would be insulted by the notion that, well, we need women in technology because we need things to look pretty. Jen?
2: So I would say that... It can go both ways. You know, I definitely think that the idea of somebody dictating saying, oh, you're a woman, you must like pretty things, then that's a little bit, well, I'm not too sure about that. But, you know, it's okay to like pretty things. And I think that there's an idea that maybe we devalue it because we typically have associated it with women. So I like nicely designed things. I think that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, same with me. I know we talked earlier, the Apple Watch, for example. Right, I think it's ugly. I don't want to wear it. me me too. (laughs) No offense (laughs) to anybody, but I do. I I don't want to wear it. I don't think it's pretty. It doesn't go with my outfit. And, you know, something to also to consider is that women are making, you know, almost 80 percent of all the purchasing decisions. So I I think you really should cater to this.
0: Yeah. And then I'd say also interesting when you look at female design products uh, like Mika, which is a really interesting wearable technology where it's a it's a bracelet. But the technology is actually hidden inside because of a notion that the how the aesthetic of it was more important than seeing the technology of it.
1: Yeah. And I think they did had done some research and gotten some feedback, from um, really notable fashion designers. So I think that was kind of what the market was saying was, you know, we want something that
0: doesn't necessarily
1: look like an Apple watch where it's, you know, more hidden, let's say.
0: Our last story, Gina, uh, we just have a minute or two left, but you uh, wanted to point out that there might be hearables being sort of the next <laughs> big thing versus wearables. Yeah.
1: So I thought that was really interesting. I've heard it for quite a while. The technology beside... beside behind hearables is pretty significant. So um, it's a really, hearable a, like a Bluetooth, in other words. Yeah, kind of like almost something that goes, you know, behind your ear. It can track your heart rate. It can, tra- you know, monitor your body temperature. Like there's a lot more that a hearable can actually do than probably like
0: uh, uh, risk wearing it. Yeah. So it's kind of that's kind of an interesting, Jen, I wonder what you think about as we think about technology evolving, sort of what you see with different kinds of wearables that we're going to be seeing over the next year or two.
2: It's hard to even say, honestly. And I think that's almost a good thing. I think it's great that it's so open. It's not a field that I, I have a hard time keeping up with all the gadgets. And but in a way,
1: I think that's great that there are so many of them are out there. So I'd like to just sit back and see something I like about the here both, too, is that, it, you know, if you have your hair down, you're not really going to see it. So it kind of takes out that um, even debate of do we make it pretty? How do we design it? Because it's not seen. On the outside,
0: thanks for bringing uh, and introducing. So I've learned about Chip, the new nine dollar computer, and hearables. So thanks to <laughs> Jana Cook and to Jen Myers for that. Gina, real quick before we end, what's Event Up going got going on now? Oh my
1: gosh, so much! So rooftops are all the rage right now. If you don't know EventUp, Up, it's a platform where you can go on and find any event or venue space. You put in whatever information you want, and it will give you the results that's available. And I think rooftops right now are probably the most applicable.
0: Right. Well, especially as we're nearing the warmest summer, uh, warmest weekend in nine months. So thanks to Jana Cook, CEO of EventUp, Jen Myers, who's the founder of Coding Cupcakes Chicago. She's also, her day job is at Plural Site. Thanks for being with me. Yeah, thank, thank you so much.